to Sonosphere, the podcast that explores the sounds all around us in art and music movements through history. We're your host. I'm Amy. And I'm Chris. Today we talk with composer David T. Little about a new age of opera and his new release, Agency. Enjoy. David T. Little. I'm a composer based in uh, Weehawken, New Jersey, just across the river from Manhattan. And uh, I grew up playing a lot of different kinds of music. Grew up as a drummer, playing a lot of rock music and punk, and uh, eventually gravitated uh, to classical music and write a lot of um, works with electronics. We write a lot of opera. My works tend to be pretty theatrical in one way or another. Um, even if they're not, you know, dramatic theatrical works, um, that that sort of elements really become central to my work over the years. Yeah, something I've been been kind of playing with and tinkering with for a long time, uh, probably about 15 years or so. I, uh, you know, grew up. I went to uh, school in in Pennsylvania at this little school called Penn, uh, called uh, Susquehanna University, and we had this library that had these these old contemporary music journals from the 70s, and they, they were very extreme in their sort of aesthetic proclamations. And so as a young composer, I was really kind of striving to write that kind of work, uh, really kind of thorny avant-garde work. And, and as a result, I, I ended up kind of pushing away the music that I had grown up with, which was uh, kind of, you know, very broad spectrum of music ranging from Willie Nelson to Megadeth to Ministry to Nine Inch Nails to musical theater, you know, I'm sort of all over the place in a lot of ways. And around 2004, I was writing this piece called Soldier Songs, which ended up becoming my first opera. I didn't realize I was writing an opera at the time, but it's now sort of thought of as my first opera. And I just said, uh, you know, I like all this music and um, why do I not just let myself write it if I want to write it. Why do, you know, why am I saying, no, this is not okay. I should just be open to whatever feels like the right musical step. Um, and because it was a dramatic piece, there was kind of a, you know, a justification from that that I could give myself that it's like, well, this character is doing this thing. So it's okay if, you know, if we're singing about Metallica, you know, it's justified. And even the idea that I had to justify it is sort of funny to me now. But, um, and so, you know, after that piece, I, I really, uh, became a lot more open to just kind of following my gut and doing what I felt musically when I was composing um, and not worrying about this sort of these arbitrary rules that I had kind of accepted and believed when I was a younger composer. The results are pieces like Agency and pieces like Haunt of Last Nightfall, uh, and of course Soldier Songs, and, and really all of the theatrical works that, that walk this line between all these different styles. And I think with agency, what's interesting is you start to get a, I think, a kind of focusing of this style. It's not quite as eclectic as a piece like Soldier Songs is, and it's, you know, I think about six or seven years 
older or younger than soldier. It came later, six years later than soldier songs. So in that time, there was this kind of focusing of, I don't know if it's, if it's, you know, my voice or, or just what the piece needed, but it has, a, I think more of a focused aesthetic world. I think there's, there's definitely something going on with opera. And I think the, you know, what happened, uh, you know, I think historians, musicologists will, will sort of figure it all out. But, you know, for me, it, I, you know, got interested in, in writing theater, you know, as an undergrad. And I wrote a lot of these sort of really crazy kind of theater pieces that were, um, you know, involved, kind of inspired by either Robert Ashley or sort of theater of cruelty kind of pieces where I would have, uh, you know, 60 performers screaming at the audience and, you know, things like that. Um, and so that's kind of where I was coming out of. And then when I wrote Soldier Songs, I felt like it was really still rooted in that that kind of world or something like Eight Songs for Mad King or things that were not opera with a capital O, you know. And it was really when I met Beth Morrison, a producer, uh, who runs Beth Morrison projects. And she said, no, this is an opera. Like you've, this, what you've written is an opera and uh, opera companies should do it. That I really thought, oh, opera can be whatever we will it to be, whatever we say it is, you know, it doesn't have to be the sort of stereotype of the Brunhilde with the Viking helmet. And, you know, it can be strange and weird and modern and exciting. And it can be, have, it can have a rock band. It can have, whatever we want it to be. And it, it became a really exciting kind of canvas, I think, for me to just um, to embrace ultimately what opera can offer and bring to it everything that I was bringing, you know, with my work and kind of combine them in a way. And I found that um, the big emotional uh, landscape of opera and the big ideas of opera worked really well with what I was interested in doing. And they, as a form, it absorbed the rock music. It absorbed all the stuff that I was already interested in kind of perfectly, you know? And so it just, it was a really, you know, once I found myself there, I realized what a natural fit it was. So Agency is, is the companion piece to a, an earlier piece called Haunt of Last Nightfall. And they're both about 30 minutes long. They're both for quartet and electronics. Haunt of Last Nightfall is for a percussion quartet and electronics. And Agency is for string quartet and electronics. Um, they're both structured in acts like kind of mini operas. And they both are concerned with sort of dramatic um, musical ideas. But their extra musical ideas are really concerned with... Um, questions of truth, questions of complicity, um, questions of, you know, how do, how do we know what we know and, and why, um, that quest for in, in between the two pieces really started with haunt of last nightfall, which was a commission from a third coast percussion. And it, um, it came from reading uh, Bob Ostertag's book, creative life, which is a great book. If, if you guys uh, ever have a chance to read it, um, and in it, he talks about the massacre at Almazote uh, in, in the 80s and um, and the kind of cover-up that happened afterward with the Reagan administration. And it became this this kind of touch point for me because it was something that happened during my lifetime. It was this utter atrocity 
that the U.S. government was involved in perpetrating. Um, and the degree of involvement, of course, is hard to know for certain, which we'll come back to an agency. Um, but the idea that I knew nothing about it, that this was this thing that had happened where hundreds of people had been murdered um, by U.S. trained uh, soldiers, and it was a complete unknown thing to me. And I, I, I kind of just couldn't stop thinking about it. And I, ha I felt I had to write the piece as a way kind of, 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 of mourning and grieving and being able to, to, to continue, you know, to be able to kind of put it down, um, in a way that paid it the proper respect and, and, you know, kind of, kind of take it, take steps beyond it. Um, in my just in my own sort of emotional life uh, and then agency came about a couple of years later it was a commission from the chronos quartet and david harrington the violinist um pulled me aside and he said you know i want you to write a piece that helps me spy on the cia and i thought well that's an amazing prompt <laughs> for a piece and the piece itself came out of the question of you know how the hell does one do that you know, how do you, as a as a civilian, as a, an artist, how do you spy on the most top secret of top secret organizations? And kind of grappling with that question of the and, and and coming to a point where I said I have to accept that I will never know what is happening in you know in the CIA or the NSA or any of these these organizations as a civilian. I this is a this is a thing that I that is a no, unknowable to me, and I have to get comfortable with the idea that it is unknowable. Um, kind of similar to Haunt of Last Nightfall, just to kind of stop feeling awful about it, you know, and to stop obsessing about it. And this moved pretty quickly, partially through geography uh, to Australia, because in central Australia, there's a top secret military installation uh, called Pine Gap, which is something that David Harrington told me about. And it is, uh, it's part of the Five Eyes Spy Network, which is in movement two, there's this, this word Auskanzukas, which is uh, Australia, New Zealand, US, UK, um, and Canada. That's the Five Eyes Spy Network. Um, and it's, so it's basically an information sharing network for intelligence. Um, but this Pine Gap space uh, uh, installation is about five hours I think it's south or north, five hours north of uh, um, Uluru, which is an Aboriginal holy site, also sometimes known as Ayers Rock, which is its sort of colonial name. And this is also a place where, and you know, through working with uh, researchers in Australia and coming to encounter questions about uh, sort of Aboriginal religious practices, which I realized I also would never you know, as a white American person would never be able to know that there are certain things that are just sort of protected and for, you know, members of that community. And so there became this parallel that I was realizing existed between um, these, these kind of aspects of, of secrecy and these aspects of available knowledge that just kind of kept, I kept coming back to and thinking about and so the piece came out of that um, through a very kind of haphazard compositional process.
Part of the process was very intuitive, so I said it was kind of haphazard <laughs> before, and, and in, in a sense that's true because I, I tend to be, um, in my creative process, kind of a collector. Uh, so I'll just gather information um, and then sort of sort it out later, and that that pertains also to musical materials. Um, so just like I sort of had collected this Pine Gap Uluru information the way that that the piece came together was um partially you know trying out different ideas and then putting them aside and gradually pulling them together into a into a whole i think this first movement really is just imagining uluru as a sort of amazing and beautiful natural phenomenon and trying to to um kind of pay respect to it as as a as just this natural and amazing and and holy site um and so the music is quite epic and quite mysterious and um doesn't let itself even though it's very kind of beautiful on the surface it doesn't let itself be known too readily and you know there are there are a lot of secret codes and things that are buried in that movement um throughout the whole piece, in fact, that um, that you can't really know unless you know that they're there and know how to find them. So to me, there, there's something uh, of both of these sites in that kind of uh, compositional practice. Um, and so, you know, moving forward, you know, Act One is the first track is Uru Rising, and then the second track is Azkanzukas Rising, and this is imagining the construction of Pine Gap. So it's much more mechanical. It's it's much more inspired by uh, industrial music, and uh, also using a lot of secret codes that are embedded into the into the pitches and into the electronic track that uh, try to create a sense of a digital world. And, and a machine world that has within it um, a lot of complexity and a lot of secrecy and also the potential for immense, uh, I think, power and, and potentially um, destruction. Uh, looking at the third track, Quiet Song of Secret Lessons, um, that whole movement is itself kind of a riddle so I can't tell you exactly what it's about, <laughs> but I will say that there, I will say that there are lyrics that that um, accompany the uh, the melody, and that the, the, the those lyrics have uh, meaning for the whole piece. Um, but I can't tell you what they are, unfortunately. <laughs>
the the vocal samples. So some of them, there are two sources primarily um, in the non non processed stuff. So the beginning sample uh, is a Australian um, composer and uh, radio uh, radio host on the ABC named Julian Day, uh, and Julian's been a friend of mine for a long time. And I just said, you know, I asked him if he would read this text, and uh, you know. So that was all sort of created for the piece and the Texas text that I wrote. Um, at the end, it's another Julian, uh, Julian Assange, talking about um, the kind of uh, security state and the national security apparatus. And that was taken from um, an interview that he did. Uh, it's a sort of conference called the Julian Assange conference call, it's called. Um, that I just I found I was listening to it as part of my sort of research and collecting period and said oh that's that really kind of gets to the question of um, you know what what part of this piece is really digging into this is sort of one of the the interesting and fun and I think kind of meta things about the piece is that it is itself a riddle that can't be known in a certain way you know Second act, uh, the Greek title is Apocalypse. Um, it's really reflecting on the struggle to know um, information and to know the truth. And uh, and I think ultimately it it accepts. I think as I had to accept through the process of both of these pieces that the truth is sort of an unknowable thing. At a certain level, and that's that's where this question of faith comes in, and and faith can be either a religious faith or a political faith or a faith in um, accepted knowledge, you know. But there is at a certain level, there is a decision or an action that we have to say. Well, this is what I this is what I believe to be true, and therefore that is what is true to me, even though, you know, if you if you interrogate that enough aside i suppose from you know real scientific facts um things start to un come undone a little bit and i was really interested in that that sort of human uh action that we all take on a daily basis of saying well i believe i know this to be true but eh, do you <laughs> you know because there are so many moving parts um and you know this is something that that i've with a lot of my works that deal with 
pre-recorded electronics. It's a, it's a question I'm always trying to solve because you need to have a really great sound system. You need to have a, a um, in-ear click situation for the, the string quartet or for the percussion quartet in case of Haunted Last Nightfall. Um, you need to have them mic'd. You know, this piece has uh, effects happening for the strings, so they need to be able to either from the front of house or by themselves uh, control distortion pedals and um, octave pedals and things like that because I was really interested in expanding the reach of the string quartet as much as I could. There was one moment where the cello is playing an octave down. The first violin is playing as high as possible with an octave pedal, bringing her up another octave. So it's really quite, uh, it has a quite large sort of frequency reach. Um, and, uh, you know, we just did this in New York in April, and that's, we use that as a as a opportunity to record it. And for that, we had Third Coast Percussion on the program as well, because we did Haunt of Last Nightfall. We, we did the, the pairing together for the first time. And um, we had them come out and join the quartet at the end. So we have four percussionists just, you know, wailing on floor toms and, and bass drums with the string quartet wailing away. It was pretty, it was pretty exciting. I think we blew a speaker in the house, just, which felt really kind of awesome. And then I immediately felt bad that I had broken their speaker because <laughs> the venue had been so kind to us. kind of record that you should you know give yourself half an hour and just sit down and experience the whole thing you know i think it's um it really is a single work and a single arc and i think um the individual tracks work on their own but i think to get the real full experience uh doing the whole thing is is really optimal and uh you know and if you want to go for the 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 long evening the the starting with Haunt of Last Nightfall and then following it with Agency will really be, I think, a, a real kind of unified and exciting uh, listen. So I hope people will check it out. It's out um, on October 11th on New Amsterdam. And uh, Acme, American Contemporary Music Ensemble, is playing with Third Coast Percussion. Andrew McKenna Lee from the Nels recorded it and uh, is playing all the guitar tracks on it. And uh, this has been a really great process i'm really happy with how it's turned out and i hope people will check it out and enjoy it this has been an independent production produced by amy s and chris williams check us out at sonosphere subscribe on itunes and check us out on soundcloud thanks for listening